Hi, I'm Mary Catherine Contreras, and I'm an MA student here at the University of Maryland in the Classics Department. Hi, I'm Kristen Washington, and I'm a PhD student in the Department of American Studies here at UMD. Hi, I'm Kana. I'm an English literature MA here at UMD, and we're here to talk about four of Suzanne Cesare's early essays on surrealism. And I wanted to start with you, Mary Catherine. What was your overall assessment of the essays, or can you tell us what you found interesting? Well, you know, I really enjoyed them. Some of them were more accessible to me than others. I was really glad that we talked about the great camouflage in class this week because that one, like when I finished reading it the first time before class, I was like, what? Like I did not understand it at all. Um, But again, I really enjoyed all four of them. There were certainly things that, you know, really struck me and kind of made sense to me and I thought were really interesting. And then there were a couple of other things that, um, you know, I had questions about and really didn't understand. So we could we could talk about all that. But I'll start by saying one of the things that really struck me the most, and, you know, we kind of talked about this in class um, already, but just how constructive her vision is and how much she views or the degree to which she views life as a really dynamic experience, you know, and I think you know, we talked about plant man versus animal man in class. And I think if you're just viewing it, you know, like plant man versus animal man, it might be tempting to just be like, well, the plant is just sitting there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but but her vision is is not a stagnant one, you know, like it's really just this deep, like ongoing, like creative dynamic process, you know, and that also I think is clear with her whole vision of, uh, surrealism. I think at one point she even makes like uses the word dynamic to describe um, surrealism. So that's that's really what struck me the most. I think was just like her commitment to the like creative force and capacity of the human being. Yeah, I think um, even within surrealism, um, her talking about or grounding it in liberation is really interesting. So what you're saying about like using. To, to think about what the plant man is doing or how the plant man is responding as liberatory, as um, responsive to rhythms of life is what she describes it as. Um, so I also found that interesting. And um, and I, at one point, my first read or like the initial reading before we discussed in class, I was like, uh, is this reductive? Like, are we, you know, and then, and then I... I think she references it in different ways throughout the different articles. And I'm like, okay, it is really expansive. And it is um, thinking about how there, there, there's something that's metaphysical that is larger than us and that these people are responding to. Um, and, and they're allowing themselves to, to be responsive to, to that rhythm. So that, yeah, the, the idea of that being liberatory is interesting to me. Yeah. And like both of you, I guess I'm still finding my footing with Suzanne and just the Cesaires in general. But reading M.A. last week actually helped my reading of Suzanne this week. You brought up the Plant Man segment and those themes that were recurring from earlier when M.A. was talking about abandon and like how Mm. plants are so connected to the earth. And like at first glance, it may seem like that rootedness is 
like there's nothing happening there, but there there is, right? Like that willingness or that mastery of um, I guess not subjecting yourself to any any boundaries or rules um on society. So mm, I like yeah. I liked the way that they're dealing with surrealism. Um, I can probably point to somewhere in the text where Suzanne defines it like in a technical way, but then also in a way that to me seems like an alternative um, definition of surrealism. And I think it's on page 124, maybe. At the top of it. Mm. Where she says surrealism dot 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 is an activity whose aim is to explore and express systematically the forbidden zones of the human mind in order to neutralize them, right? And then, in an earlier essay on page one hundred, where she ends her essay with, "The most disturbing reality is ours. Mm-hmm. We will act." I'm seeing that. I'm seeing surrealism as something that's most palatable to um, Caribbean Africans, or it, the, surrealism is their reality. Um, it's the way that they're seeing the world. It's a method or a way that they they know themselves. And to me, that that really opens up um, that concept. I think there's a. Um, I'm glad you you brought that up. Even on page 124, I looked down slightly, and um, she says. In 1943, but in 1943, when liberty itself is threatened throughout the world, mm-hmm. surrealism dot 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 can be summed up with a single magic word, liberty. Um, and she's also drawing the correlation between the um, surrealism that that was formulated in um, Europe and and was responding to the need to um, be free from what she quotes as the absurd logic and so the the shackles of absurd logic and so-called reason Mm -hmm. and so i'm processing that as like this uh what surrealism is allowing for is um is accessing interiority it's Mm -hmm. like it's accessing the um the elements that are inside of oneself that is different from um european um identity especially since she's really preoccupied with thinking about authenticity uh and and caribbean identity as well that is um that has some nostalgia is the word she used nostalgia for um a a african past um but cannot be necessarily remade in that um by necessarily going back to this place um because obviously the passage of time um and we don't have time travel machines so uh, it's impossible to return to that place um as a means to to restore that. So she's looking for alternative ways and she does that through surrealism. Um, so that in itself is like liber- liberating from the shackles of colonial identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was just going to say, just talking about, you know, like surrealism as a vehicle to understand the self, which understand the self, which I think you both touched on. Um, which I love, and I, I totally agree with that assessment. Um, but, you know, thinking what you just said, Kristen, about, like, to understand the specific self that you are. So, for example, like an Afro-Caribbean, something that really surprised me, and, like, in our class conversation and, in all, you know, this whole week, like, I just have not known what to make of it, is that it's at the end of, 
at the end of Surrealism in Us, so on page 126, and it's in the last paragraph. And this really surprised me because there, I, I think that um, so much of her work is about, um, like, you know, specific differences between civilizations. Mm-hmm. I'm like being able to define that and um, like have it be a unifying force. But then we get this, our surrealism will then deliver it the bread of its depth. Mm. Finally, those sordid contemporary antinomies of black, white, European, African, civilized savage will be transcended. And I'll be honest, that totally surprised me. Like I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Um because I didn't, I didn't get a vibe that was like, oh, the point of this is that we're all the same or anything. Y- you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, I don't think that that's what she's trying to do. So I, yeah, that's something that just kind of surprised me. And honestly, I didn't really know how to place like within the context of the broader discussion she's having about surrealism. Right. And I'm just looking at what you just read, and I'm wondering, like, is this Suzanne trying to get us to, I guess, think outside of binaries? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but then going back to what you were saying, Kristen, about how it seems like they're taking or Cesare is taking issue with um dilution or this this idea that um you can be assimilated out of out of what is blackness. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there are lots of areas in these essays where she takes issue with ambiguity and she's saying that there is mm-hmm. something that is unerasable. Yeah. Um mm. And, you know, they don't want any balance, right? And so what you just read, you know, it kind of talks back at that, right? And so I'm a little confused about where Suzanne stands on on liminality, like within the body. Can you or can you, you know, not be diluted? Um, and what does that do to the essence of that that thing that's inside? Right, that vital... And vital energy yeah totally so i'm looking for the there's a place where she talks about amnesia and i feel like i may not be able to to pull it but um it's both there's both amnesia and uh ancestral anxiety um that so i feel like there's the ancestral anxiety feels like it's coming from um, not being able to place the past and then because of not being able to place the past particularly because they um, formerly enslaved Africans, um, Afro-Caribbeans have been separated from, um, well, we talked about this earlier, but separated from their uh, milieu de memoir. The term is a, t- is a term that is um, created by, or or what is the term for it? Um, it's been quoted by uh, Pierre Nora, who's looking at memory um, and looking at how people remember specifically. And um, the the idea that that enslavement and colonialism has like desecrated uh, so many of the rituals that are associated with memory keeping um, is creating this like yearning for an identity that you can't yet grasp. And so I think a lot of the work that she's doing is trying to figure out um, how do you put in through art, um, how do you put into place new arts and techniques of memory um, that will allow you to kind of formulate this maybe mythical past in order to um, 
continue to move, continue to uh, um, live a life that's still fulfilling and is not necessarily trying to mimic the colonizer because she has huge a uh, huge like problem with that because it's it's not allowing um, Afro-Caribbeans to have an identity that's separate from them, but also it's not an identity that is actually achievable. Um, yeah, whiteness, it's not achievable for Black people. Um, and so I think she's trying to say like we, there, there's a, there's a need to separate that because it does so much damage to um, Afro-Caribbeans. Yeah. And I think one, I guess, pathway or one method that um, Suzanne emphasizes is that, I guess, the connection between body and land that we talked about. And you had mentioned earlier about the memory machine, like the body as an archive. And we talked in class about, you know, <laughs> those 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 ways that you're transit, you know, transferring memory across generations. And I think it's in her essay with Leo Frobenius and his study of African culture. He's talking about how matriarchal it can be um, and how through the body. And I'm wondering if that's connected at all to Suzanne's methods, right? Like that matriarchal um, urge to to pass along history through the body. Um, there, There's that that piece in the text where they talk about the ritual of burying the placenta mm -hmm. and that's something that still occurs like in in today i spoke with my grandmother last week and she's like ha not having read suzanne Cesare, mm -hmm. telling me you know the reasons behind why that practice still needs to occur like how it how it will affect the the baby the newborn in their life, like in their livelihood. And just the fact that I I remembered that practice and it will carry on um, if I <laughs> intend to um, pass it across generations. Yeah, I'm really glad that both of you just mentioned memory because, you know, what the really the big other, the main, po I think, point of confusion for me after reading these essays was, you know, I, I understand her vision of, you know, Africa is here and now, like in the Caribbean, and it's not something that is, um, you know, in the past. And, you know, we, we've talked about that, you know, passage with who, you know, with the dancers and the great camouflage and who will satisfy their nostalgia. And we've talked about how the answer for her is not, oh, well, we are going to or we need to go back to Africa, but that the answer is like, it's here, it's now, it's in the body. And, you know, to be honest with you, like that was something that was pretty confusing for me because I was like, it's hard for me to understand like a vision of this vital energy that can unify a civilization that doesn't have a relationship with the past. Not saying that she's saying it doesn't, but it was just, I didn't understand quite how the past was involved because I can't imagine that it's not at all. So, and I just, but I couldn't parse out exactly what that relationship was. Um, but I think, you know, talking about the placenta with the, you know, burying it under a tree, for example, like, you know, and the memory machine of the body, as Kristen was just saying, like, you know, just thinking about how the body is connected to landscape can really be a part of understanding um, that question. And yeah, just like Kristen was saying, this transference of memories, like through body, like through generations. So 
Yeah, I um, as you say that, it makes me think of this uh, quote from Nina Simone. She's doing this interview. I can't even remember where the interview is from. I was like googling fiercely, <laughs> <laughs> but um, she is talking about young black kids, and she's like, um, her her biggest um desire almost is is to let these children know that whatever they have is like inside of them and she just wants to bring it out and i think that's what um that's kind of on 160 what uh Cesare feels like i feel like she's saying about the past too she says um there's that be- beautiful piece <laughs> from the middle of the page to the bottom but um in that that line where she says Africa is here is present, um, that sentence starts, their cries proclaim in a ruckus and general voice that Africa is here, present, that it is waiting, immensely chased despite the stormy, devouring colonization by the whites. So the part of it is like that it is waiting. It's like it is, um, some maybe would say, I don't even know if dormant is the right word because in a way, by responding to the rhythms of the night, by being... Um, uh, you know, called by the tropical night and the swells of rhythm and the moon and all of these things, like these really uh, natural occurrences, is saying that it is still there. Um, but in some way, through art, it is the idea is to bring it out. And so, when I did mention the um, the memory machine, um, I was specifically thinking about a quote from David Scott in the Archaeologies of memory maybe i'm gonna get that maybe that's oh, no no on the archaeologies of blackness okay. um and so that was written in 2008 which was a way before or way after Suzanne Césaire writes um the the great camouflage yes um and so my me mentioning the raw like thinking about the the environments of memory as disrupted by um, enslavers and disrupted by colonizers is also saying that the things that were disrupted were the um, were the practices, was the storytelling, was the things that were like deeply re- in relation to space. And in some way, um, the idea of art um, or surrealism particularly is thinking about it as an artistic pra- practice or artistic method or even artistic technique mm-hmm. per se to um to to kind of like get in touch with the unconscious or get in touch with what is what feels like it's laying dormant in the body in order to access that liberation. Um, there's a term in David Scott's text that says like it uh, memory is like irreducibly social or inescapably social or something mm. like that. Um, and so the idea of just like constantly being in community in and in, in community not only with each other but like with i'm like fascinated by her use of the night but like with the night and with the mm-hmm. swells you know the night that's swelling with rhythm and all of that um feels like all of that memory this is a very long answer or a <laughs> long response here um questioning about Good. the 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 memory that persists is um yeah is that it ju- it exists through the body in ways that may be unconscious to us but it's there just like um, the example we were talking about earlier was like the, you know, you may you may not have met someone. Um, they 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 meet you and they're like, oh my gosh, you walk just like your grandmother, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't remember that, or like, you know, my grandmother walks with a cane, so like, <laughs> do I, you know? Um, but the idea that like they knew her at a particular moment in time, and that and it was a time that pre ex- preceded you. So what does it mean to still have that memory in your body that can mirror? the past 
Yeah, totally. I had something like that happen to me, actually, over winter break. I was introducing myself to someone who knew my grandparents and had known me as a very small child, but hasn't seen me in, you know, like 20-something years and, you know, wouldn't know me from Eve, you know, mm-hmm. as, as an adult. <laughs> but so I just went up to introduce myself to him and say, like, oh, you know, I'm so-and-so and you knew my grandparents. And before I even got to the part where I told him who my grandparents were, he, like, knew who I was. And he was like, you're a pew, which is my mother's maiden name. So, you know, he he was like, no, I you started talking, and I knew you were a pew. And he was like, just the way that you talk, like, I just knew who you were, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, that's definitely uh, a real thing. Not that I need to be the <laughs> validator, but, yeah, it's a real thing. But, uh, no, I like that you honed in on the word waiting there, that Africa is waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, like, you were saying it's not that it's necessarily dormant, but no, I think that that word really speaks to just the endurance of it. Like you were Mm. saying, just the fact that it's always there and it's not something that's like going to be lost, even if maybe it's not, it's not felt to be accessible, but it's always there. Like you're saying our subconscious and also this kind of conversation about, you know, uh, the importance of the past, especially when it's been kind of purposefully destroyed, you know, of mm, a people's yeah. and like artistic ways to envision a future kind of reminds me of Afrofuturism a little. I mean, I, I don't know if the like uh, embodiedness of Suzanne Cesare is necessarily relevant. I don't know that it's not. I don't know if I know enough about Afrofuturism to say, but I do think just that whole relationship um like there being an aspect of the past, but it's still being really about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just it just kind of reminded me. Um, you know, I was just, I guess, to be specific, I was thinking about like these images of ancient Egypt that you get that pop up in Afrofuturism. So I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I actually have another quote from someone else. Do and it. I'm like yeah. searching so, so furiously to find it. Um Gosh, it is a quote by um, Dr. Marissa Parham and um, her book, Haunting and Displacement. Okay. And it is thinking a lot about memory and how it shows up in the body and how you kind of have to create this past almost in order to, um, to get through the traumas of it all. And I hope I don't reduce that. Uh, it's not too reductive mm-hmm. in describing it, but um, there was a part that just felt like it was... Um, it just like completely shifted my perspective on um, what is like how we see the memory that shows up. And like, especially when you're like, well, I'm so, you know, I'm so divorced from the, the these moments in the past. I'm so maybe even divorced from your immediate family or you're divorced from whatever cultural practices that happens when you say move away to college, you know, like, mm-hmm. so what is what remains and there's just oh my gosh it's i don't want to get the quote wrong so i'm going to take a second to look for it okay okay so (laughs) it's actually in my head so i hope i remember it correctly so she says when transacting in evidences of the unseen survival is the trace Mm-hmm. And so the mere fact of the body existing is related to the traces of the past. Like, by virtue of that alone, by virtue of you breathe, breathing, living, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that is it, you know? So I feel like it, 
as someone who's uh, moved around a lot and like have been far away from family in a lot of instances. Um, and you think about the ways that even uh, family like uh, helps you produce um, and remember the past. Um, so with the absence of that, just knowing that like my being is Mm-hmm. is good too. My being remembers, even though I may not be always conscious of it, which again is, I think is, uh, I've said this uh, a few times already, but it like strikes me with um, the emphasis on the unconscious from uh, Suzanne, which is, I think what makes it a little um, hard to get through when you first read it. You're like, whoa, what's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think uh, Professor Jabinski likened, likened it to speaking in tongues, where you're like, you clearly know that this person is having this full body experience. And um, as a result, you, you're you hearing things that feel, that you feel it more than you can comprehend mm, it. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, that's what feels really special about surrealism as described by Suzanne Césaire. Yeah, I think a lot of what both of the Césaires, you know, we read M.A. for um, last week and then Suzanne for this week, but both of them, it's, you know, some of the stuff they're saying, it's like, I can just feel that your end point is true, but I do not understand like all of the logic to get there, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. anyway, just to, to your point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like it, articulating something that is just like, I know that this is true. Like I can feel it, but mm-hmm. I don't really understand how it works, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think mm-hmm. is, you know, I guess, I guess what they're doing with theory is trying to parse through all of that. But right. yeah. Anyway. You yeah, know, I, I definitely agree that, like you said, even though I'm not fully grasping at all, I am convinced of the relevance of surrealism. And I do think that it's, it's capable of thriving in post-colonial, paracolonial situations, which I... I think is one of the questions that, mm. you know, Suzanne is is presenting to us. Like, people are saying surrealism is dead. Um, can it, you know, and here I'm presenting to you um, the possibility that it can thrive in this situation and it it's dependent or the, I guess, how people continue the cook. The cultural preservation of a people, it depends on Mm. um, people's commitment to it. Speaking of the two Cesares, I think, Kena, you had an interesting point earlier about some of the points of departure and even how Suzanne's gender might influence Mm. some of that. Right. Yeah, we've been talking a little bit about, I guess, their methods and how M.A. is, he is convinced that Africa is the point of point of origin. And I think that Suzanne was different in that even in the way that she hyphenates um, the word, right? Mm-hmm. She, yeah. she establishes the Caribbean as a potential point of origin um, for for Black people, um, which I think is is connected to the way that she views the body as an extension of the land or um, a way to give back. You know, going back to the passage that you pointed us to about how we're going to eventually 
have to transcend these binaries and abandon ourselves to to what's going on or what connects us all as as humanity. Did any of you, um, like, well, I, rather than did any of you, um, how did you respond to the concept of the shocks? Mm-hmm. So that one was in the Leo Frobenius piece, but mm-hmm. the idea of, um, and I, I hope I pronounced this correctly, but Pai, pai De Uma. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of like this, um, this like complex, uh, interlocking experience between um, the person and the land mm-hmm. um, and how there's something that feels like it, it almost felt like the moon like I've, yeah. I've recently seen like this visual this really beautiful visual of like the water just like uh, on the earth it's like a image of the earth mm-hmm. and or a video of the earth and it's the 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 waters are responding the ocean is responding to the to the moon um i wish we could like add video to a podcast <laughs> yeah no <laughs> so i think that's a it. nice comparison i'm glad you brought up the shocks that was another one of the thing that was another one of the things that when i finished reading it the first time i was like what yeah. <laughs> um, and even even now it's like even after having talked about it and everything, there's this line in um, A Wrinkle in Time. I think one of the characters is having something explained to her. And then she's like, I understand it for a second. And then like, I don't understand it anymore. It's something like that. I'm misquoting it, but it's that kind of idea. That's kind of how I feel about this whole Pydama right. concept and also the shocks. No, I was real confused about the shocks. I mean, I think like on page 85, um there's kind of this i guess it's not a definition like a maybe a kind of a definition so like from one sudden shock to another in the same way as a vital force passes from one mutation to another through the diversity of living species and i i don't know if y'all think it's i'm correct in kind of thinking that this memory machine of the body has a relationship with these like mm. iterations of shocks mm-hmm. maybe I think so. Yeah, right? but That's I'm brilliant. I'm yeah. well. I'm glad you think so. I'm, the shock concept is kind of confusing for me. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, when are these different shocks happening? Like where are they? I didn't totally understand. No, I think you're right because yeah. even like right before the the quote, um, is like humanity does humanity does not possess a will to perfection. So this idea that like what the body is remembering is not like I'm not remembering it because I'm trying to be a perfect human being. Ooh, like yeah. I'm remembering it because I'm being, and I think. Like the um, the shocks and uh, yeah, the shocks as a as a force, right. um, this force that we may not be able to like perceive or touch or smell or whatever the case may be, um, is just one of the things that is dictating those changes. Um, but yeah, that's where I fall off a little bit. But, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I think it. I think it is connecting even to your earlier point about like things that are or dormant or or in a holding pattern, it's going to take some force to, I guess, reawaken yes. what was what was there. Um, mm. what's, what's been suppressed over time mm-hmm. or by coloni- 
you know, colonization. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Suzanne is pointing us to, I guess, moments in time that people are reawakened um, or become oh. conscious of of something that that never that never uh, died within mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it's like you know, at that moment, you are connected. Yeah, with oh, they're so beautiful. Yeah, you know. No, no, that totally. That totally makes sense. Thank you, Kana. Um, yeah, no, and that kind of like on page 86, she asked this question. How have numbers, astral bodies, and seasons determined a revolution of the spirit mm. in the plant man and animal man? A veritable modification of his nature characterized by the shock. But that revolution of the spirit just really like reminds me. Or, yeah. I thought it is relevant for what mm. you were just saying. So, no, I definitely think that's... Revolution is also such a great word when you're thinking about the, uh, well, obviously like political revolution, Mm, but also revolution of, of the earth or, you know, the way the earth is turning or the way, you know, we're responding to, you know, you know, my my physics, like my physics is a little off, but you know, you know what I mean. (laughs) We talked in class too about how cyclical um, we are, like in our relation to, to land and things like that. and you pointed to where they were saying, you know, humanity is not continuing toward perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're kind of like plants in that you're up and then you're down, right? Like there, there's a cycle to it, a revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I think that's an important thing to point out because we think about the word revolution. And I think sometimes the images that come to mind are like it was one way and now it's another way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you think about the word, it's like something's revolving. Yeah. Like it's just turning like it's just changing like it's not necessarily a binary thing and mm-hmm. um no i'm i'm glad that you pointed to that humanity does not possess a will to perfection because i really like the the sentence that comes before that yeah. that mm-hmm. in fact frobenius has discovered that the idea of continual progress dear to the 19th century which showed civilization as progressing in a single line from primitive barbarism to the highest modern culture is a false idea which mm-hmm. is something y'all were both uh just talking about but it's it's really like to not think of there being progress in society is like i think really kind of antithetical to a lot of modern yeah (laughs) ideas um right yeah for sure yeah what do we make of it right what does it mean to reject that you know there's no like there's no height to it like kind of like yeah. Suzanne was saying like it's he- right here right now mm. you know the most that we can do or the best that we can do with what we have instead of um pining after the history that was erased or lost or yeah. not properly documented right like there are going to be omissions but i guess it's kind of like a a reassurance that it is coming back right like it was you know there's nothing that will take your essence from you um, besides you not trying, yeah, you not fighting, you not acting. No, I really love what you just said because I think you, like, successfully, like, articulated a relationship between her forward-thinking vision and the lack of progress, which yes. I think it's really yes. easy to see those things as being yes. contradictory. But mm-hmm. I think you really nicely just demonstrated how they don't they don't have to be. Yeah. Well, on that note, right, I think we can close off. 
Um, yeah, this this has been like even revisiting this text with you all or these multiple texts with you all have been like more enlightening to <laughs> to yeah. what Suzanne is trying to say and um really influential for how I'm thinking about future projects. So thanks for listening. Thanks for speaking with us. Um, thanks for being. Right. For being. Yes, Until next for time. For being. <laughs> <laughs>